Spy Cops Info Podcast, a series about the secret undercover political police who infiltrated over a thousand campaign groups in the UK, stealing dead children's identities, deceiving women into long-term sexual relationships, and in some cases, fathering children. Episode 10, The Registry Files. Welcome to the Spy Cops Info Podcast. I'm Tom Fowler and I'm joined with... Donald O'Driscoll from the Undercover Research Group. Today we're talking about the registry files. Uh, these are something which is incredibly significant. They've come up at the inquiry a few times. They really go to the heart of what the whole Spy Cops thing was really all about, like what it was feeding into. Um, Donald, do you want to explain just why the registry files are so significant? There are secret files. <laughs> They're what the state keeps on us. So the registry files, or the RF files, was the archive of intelligence gathered by special branch over the centuries. It's like, it goes back 150 years. And they're broken down to various different categories. Uh, but predominantly, they are left-wing groups and individuals. Through the inquiry, we're getting to see a lot of references to them. So we'll see certain numbers attached to names and individuals. For example, if somebody is an Irish, Irish-born activist, they will quite often have a file that will start 355, left-wing 400 or 402 or 405. If it's a magazine or publication, they'll start with 347. Films will be 346. And it's a series of, it's a series of numbers the numbers I've just given you are the first first set um, and a sort of category designation. The second number is the year the file was open on. Now, for an organisation, this will quite often change. So, for a large organisation that exists over many years, once a file hits a certain size, they'll open a new one. So you'll see references over the different years. And the third file, the third number is simply a, a chronological number. So if it's 17, it means it's the 17th organisation on which a file was open in that year. Uh, when we say, you want to be careful, sir, you end up on a file, these are the files we're talking about. Yes. They seem quite archaic in a way, but they are really are the foremost piece of technology that holds together the whole thing, right? They're the main thing. There's several registries. There's the General Police Registry, there's the Special Branch Registry, and there's also a separate registry in MI5. And they are in MI5... They usually referenced as SF or subject file or organization file. So a slightly different system. And it's just a repository for all the intelligence that the police have been gathering over the years. With special branch files, it tend to be very restricted access. It's only through the inquiry that for the first time many of these files have been seen. And even then, very incomplete versions. There are yet other repositories beyond that. There's something called Commander's Archive, which is where the top secret stuff is really kept. If you look at the materials coming out of the inquiry, quite a lot of them will say the organisation name and then we'll have one of these sets of codes underneath and that tells you where it was filed. At the bottom of many of the reports, and it's pretty much 90% of the reports where they've directly addressed an individual, say, here's, here's a list of the people who were part of the Tottenham Tottenham International Socialist Babysitting Rota, which is a genuine document. So we'll have the name, and then next to the name, there'll be the set number. So they, part of their report drafting is to identify all the individuals by file reference. And what we're seeing is that absolutely 
everybody everybody has a file mm. you know if you if you even went if you only went to a couple of meetings the chances are you will still have that file on mm. you one of the things we learned recently in the inquiry was the process of opening up these files mm. so initially you'll see somebody and i'll just go mention in is file mention an international socialist file mention in i am uh, international marxist group file so that's somebody who's been spotted several times oh yeah he's at the meeting after a while go well this person has been at three or four meetings now is the time to open up the file mm. exactly how that decision was made remains to be answered we anticipate that we won the questions heard at next year's hearing the 2022 hearings mm. when the managers themselves get asked because that's a decision they'll have made but what we're seeing is a very 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 clear pattern of like, even very very liberal groups like local labor party groups you know having labor labor party club would have had its own special branch file. You know, they didn't care about, you know, whether you're parliamentary stuff, the fact you were left-wing. The absence of right-wing files so far is quite telling, although there are some. Uh, and they do seem to follow the same pattern, the same numbers. So there's a lot we don't know, but through seeing these references, we're getting an understanding of the breadth. I think. Interesting... While the organization numbers, the files are constantly being updated, so it would cross over many different years, for an individual reference file, a registry file, the, num the year of the creation stays the same. So when you see somebody, this is Joanna Bloggs, 402 slash 56 slash whatever, you will know that her file was opened in 1956. So wow. you can see that in some of the people who have appeared in the inquiry, actually monitoring at them, started much much earlier yeah in some cases when they were still children yes so one of the big questions that came out of the recent hearings was the fact that was around school kids against nazis and the fact that reporting on children uh was taking place and they quite like in fact in one case another 18 year old did have their own file other things that have come out of the inquiries where it's clear that undercovers have been tasked to find that information to update files and these requests have both come from internally within special branch and mi5 so this process of these files are constantly under rotation on updating although we're fairly certain that nothing was ever got rid of yeah i believe that yeah it's quite telling i remember i think it was michael james well, no, was it michael james was being asked about some updating he'd done to some files and literally the opening line of some of these files were like has not been involved in politics for three years even the files themselves admit that these people are not of interest, but you've still got a file. You yeah. know, even though you're not a threat, you're not an issue at the t that exact time. You've still got a file on you, and you see constantly where they justify their intelligence thing. Oh, you never know when they might be of use. We didn't know that, you know, how important this intelligence would be, and so on, so on. Mm. But it's a self-perpetuating system, right? So the other thing to point out in terms of query is we've been asking for our files. Uh, even people who are co-participants are given evidence have not been shown the files. And that's partly, although we haven't been given the reason, the inquiry keeps coming up with bullshit as to why it'd be disproportionate. I personally think it's a different reason and that it's those files wouldn't just be material from on the covers. It's from phone taps. It's from direct surveillance. 
it's from informers and the reason they can't give them to us is it exposed just how extensive the spying on us were and the different techniques that were being used so the inquiry has been really guarded when it comes to informers and you know telephone taps well the overt surveillance as well i mean that's that's a huge part of it i mean i know like like a lot of people a number of years ago i did a subject access request for my police national computer file and the information that came that was in that that was all pretty much exclusively from overt surveillance you know i saw the cop looking at me and writing things down sort of thing um was incredibly detailed so you know we know that there are numerous databases of of documents but this is the mothership right this is like the main this is the main event which they all feed into the, the level of detail is liable to be you know ridiculously extensive it's hard to say because we've never actually seen one of these files we've not been given proper access even though it's core demand but we we suspect that yeah it will be extensive and they had this huge just big brother operations like george orwell would imagine that britain would mm. be conducting you know an operation of this size and scale you know and dating back for so long, this isn't this isn't uh, some reaction to something that happened in more recently. This has been going back since since the beginning of the beginning of the police. There's been a general yeah. registry. Like, Eighteen twenty nine, I guess. Yeah. You know, the first such registries would have been on political activists, mm. uh, and you know, friends friends who've done work around Stasi and stuff mm. like that. And, you know, have also it's like. You know, people look to East Germany as this exceptional thing. But at the same time, what we're seeing in Britain isn't that different. Mm. And then, you know, that's people from East Germany going, yeah, you're supposed to be the free world. The the, the thing which is unique about East Germany is the exposure, right? It's the fact that it's exposed. And I think that the more we scratch at these things, it's just as, as you know, as invasive a story here, right? And, you know, this isn't just oh they're keeping files mm. some of the stuff that's come out there was one particular incident where it was clear that somebody lost their job mm. because they were recorded as a political activist mm. you know blacklisting is a huge issue mm. and you know and the police will deny that, you know that there's any real connection between the police and the blacklisting firms and stuff but numerous authors have spoken about how special branch files were in circulation mm. These are the files. Yeah. You know, these are the files that help lead to people being blacklisted. Mm. You know, when they talk about vetting for jobs, these are the files they go and look at. Mm. So, and what we're seeing, you know, there's material on these files are coming from unreliable sources, such as undercover officers. And ironically, they all head off from a secret and reliable source. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't trust them. Mm-hmm. And yet they're affecting people's lives. Mm. They're affecting people's careers and the ability to get jobs. It's it's an insurance um, policy of the government of the, of the state essentially against uppity members of the population. Yeah, yeah, and there was no reason to keep all of this, but they, it's like any intelligence operation becomes an intelligence operation for its own sake, and once you have that power, it's so obvious where the mission creep is. You know, this is a unit that's set up mm. to you know protest uh, to monitor protests, and so oh, you got access to all this other material. Well, let's use that. Mm. You know, becomes a justification. Yeah. So even though it's like the registry files are not the banner headline, they're one of those things at the heart of everything that is mm. going on in the inquiry and the wider police mm. state. Mm. 
The inquiry has been very clear. We're not going to get to see them. They, I mean, unequivocal. I would say, um, has been on this on this topic. Um, I think like the very, but the very fact that we we know of their existence and we know of the kind of, if not the content of them, the kind of the shape of what you know what what they're about. Um, I mean that that's something in itself, right? I mean like just the things that we're dealing with here are so secret that just like the acknowledgement of their existence and the fact that. You know, individual officers were taking out registry files, taking them to the safe house, referring to them, updating them, like the way in which they 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 live in the system. I mean, just our knowledge of that is is a huge step forward. Yeah, and this is one of those things where we knew about it, we suspected it, mm-hmm. it was pretty obvious what was going on, there was enough references, oblique references, but what we're seeing in the inquiry is the first exposure Mm. of just what that system was you know it's it's moving beyond supposition and just say well the simplest explanation is these files mm. exist to no these files are now admitted to exist and we know the extent to which any material was being added into them and uh, the lack of any real filtering process mm. because you know we know most of the files we're now actually seeing in inquiry are actually coming from mi5 they originated with the special administration squad but were sent to mi5 um, well, we think so. Well, after keeping all this irrelevant stuff, it's it's clearly it's clearly moving around. It's originally we kind of we thought of the the likes of the Special Demonstration Squad and the National Public Order Intelligence Unit as being you know just like a a wing of the police that was was up to stuff, but we, we kind of realizing now that actually it's. Um, it's coming from the, 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 the from the security services who are di- there's so much direction there, um, and it seems that the, it, the registry files are the reason for that. Like the, it, it's it's servicing that. They're almost like the the whole point of the operation is servicing these files as it, as much as it is anything else. Yes, um, I, I would draw. I'm, I, there's a bit of a debate about this, but how okay. much around MI5 and special branch control each other? I personally, I think. It's it's a lot more amorphous, a lot more fluid mm. that, and I don't think there's this sort of narrative that MI5 controls Special Branch. I think mm. Special Branch quite like that narrative because it means absolves them of any <laughs> of any real responsibility. I think it's much you know Special Branch are up there as an intelligence gathering operation in their own right, mm. and should, you know they may not have had the full cooperation of MI5, but they were certainly capable of mm. running that sort of thing in London anyway mm. what happened in the regions elsewhere MI5 definitely much more control but I think in London Metropolitan Police were mm. in control of the undercover operations and spying on everybody it's almost like um, rather than being like a, a unit that had files there's a there's, there's some files that have got a unit yeah well it's not just a unit it's the entirety of special branch when I mean, we right. think about what the rest of special branch is doing it's naturalization, so mm. people coming in and seeking citizenship, so they all get investigated. It's people at ports, well, that's just monitoring people. You need files to tell you who to monitor. You know, it's people who are at protest meetings. It's the communists. It's the Irish. Mm. You know, all the special branch is focused on intelligence gathering, not necessarily not result solving crime per se, mm. but intelligence gathering. Mm. So, uh, and the special demonstration squad is simply just an extension of the, uh, they, so, well, this is an ex- an efficient extension of that function you know 
we send one person into the meeting, they come back with the details and names of addresses because they've been handed around on a sheet of paper <laughs> yeah. at the end of the minutes. Whereas, you know, if you're sat outside in the car, then you've got to guess who's, mm. I think. But yeah, but we also see this when you, you know, the inquiry is talking a lot about subversion, the justif the justification for all of this. And I think this is goes to your point in the connection with MI5 and Special Branch. Where Special Branch has always had this pseudo-narrative of it's about public order. It's so obvious from what we're hearing in the inquiry. It's all about subversion. Mm. And where I challenged the narrative around MI5 versus Special Branch is that you know, MI5 was somehow seen having charged of subversion. Special Branch were just the same, on, mm. as much on that same game. Mm. This relationship, this involvement of the security, this was not something that anybody was really anticipating before the inquiry, was it, were they? We weren't anticipating them to admit it. Right, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that, yeah I guess that's what I meant, really, yeah. Um, it, it came out quite gradually. It was mm. like, uh, I think it was the designated lawyer's statement back mm. in October, and it was just like, I say, well, you know, all our officers were just doing what MI5 told us to do. And I was just like, oh, really, are they actually going to say that? Mm. And it was a bit puzzling at the time because it's like, why are they coming out so explicitly? And then we started seeing the MI5 material coming out. So over the last few months, it's been much, much clearer uh, and much more evidence coming from MI5, including an actual corporate statement from MI5, mm. which I don't think any of us expected ever to see. <laughs> Not in public, anyway. No, I mean, really um, fascinating document. Um, uh, you know, Witness X. As much as anything, just the way it's written. <laughs> You know, it's like, it's a, it's a yeah, it, it gives you an insight, I think. Yeah. And, and actually, when you unpick that document, it's like, it's written by somebody who's been around long enough mm. to have an overview. And it's like, that's somebody who dealt with that intelligence, yeah. who knew about the SDS to be around that long and to be that trusted. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, I think that you've got to, all these things, you've got to take away a pinch of salt. Sure. But absolutely. it's definitely worth reading. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's that thing. One thing which always like come, comes home to me with those people is that like they've got a better sense of our like collective memory than we do. That <laughs> they, they, they like um, they've been handling information about us and the movements we're part of for a very long time, and they've got like kind of a certain handle on it and a certain way of presenting information back at us. They 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 got like an idea of how we'll receive it. Do you know what I mean? It's got yeah. that, that that all of it is a, they're handling us right. You know. Yeah, I know, definitely you, they're in control of the narrative, mm. they're in control of what's been released, and this is like one of the reasons why we want our files, so mm. we can actually understand how we're being manipulated, how by the material they're giving us is shaping us. You know, it's the sort of thing, we'll give you with one hand, take away with another, like, okay, yeah, we're great, we've been given something, Yeah, but it's like, what is being hidden? There's a, a huge amount, right? I mean, that like... As much as this inquiry is this like amazing opportunity to look into the way in which an aspect of the secret state has operated for all this time, it really is the tip of the iceberg, and it's this it's the the registry files that will really give you the sense of the size of that iceberg if we were able to see inside them. Yeah, but there are historical things going back. I think it's in um, Christopher Andrews' book on MI5. Mm. The official it's the official history of MI5. You know, they talk about having one and a half million files. In during World War Two, when the population you, of Britain was a lot less than it is now, it's one of the rare times we actually get right as a sort of a glimpse of the magnitude. Yeah, you know, and the inquiry keeps saying it's like you know we're having to filter, we're giving you the files that are relevant and scan. But I'm uh, you suspect that behind the scenes they are dealing with a vast quantity of stuff that they simply don't know how to process or can't pro you know got the capacity to process. Mm.
you really get this 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 like this vision of a incredible like just the incredibly detailed surveillance state that we've got in this country just having to like uh you know like eke out these bits of information to this inquiry because it's because of like political reasons they have to like do and like just hold the the stuff they're holding back and the way in which they operated being held back we've been looking at these for years people have been parapolitics people have been writing and doing about this years and this has been advantage to work out you know there's many theories there's many concepts doing it and this giving us an opportunity to say well the secret state was probably working within this band mm. in this particular way we can we know which ones to ignore more now mm. or which ones are less unlikely there'll always be people who go you know i will give all power and might to the state and believe you know the worst of the worst uh, i think it's far f- you know this is a bunch of people as crap and useless as anybody else and it comes <laughs> down to it um it doesn't mean they're not effective but you know you've got to throw that in and you've got to throw in the fact that they are a huge bureaucracy and so that's the other thing that comes out of these files it's a bureaucracy mm. and so part of the analysis of the police has to be of them as a vast bureaucracy that exists for itself mm. and you know, in the, you know as you were saying a few moments ago it's like the files are the heart of the organization is because it's fundamentally bureaucratic and you see in some of the witness statements it's like i was told to ta- i was tasked to find a bit of information and yes and it's really it's like robotic you know at the end the end of the day so by tomorrow morning i want you to have found the name of the address of this the address of this this person blah blah or whatever it was so they you know and they had no idea who what this person was they just bare minimum you know went to an img meeting in in Walthamstow, therefore, of interest somewhere along the line. They don't question, they just go and find this information uh, and it's just constantly feeding in. And there's no real, there's nobody setting out a clear and coherent analysis of why mm. this bureaucracy needs to exist. Now, we think there is a set of documents called Commissioner's Reports, right? which may go away to answer that, but they're refusing to release them to us. <laughs> Even though they're supposed to be public. <laughs> so, what are the commissioner's reports? They're reports by the Commission of the Metropolitan Police yeah. to the Home Office saying, this is all the wonderful stuff we've done through the year. Right. And within that, there should be stuff on the wonderful stuff the Special Branch have been doing on protests and things. So it's measuring, it's a way of measuring what they value as success. Mm. And if you've got something where then you're just like, well, you've got this entire wealth on the... Or- from the organization what are you doing how are you measuring it mm. or are you just existing for the sake of existing mm. and when you see it's like when you've got millions of files and your entire organization is just keeping those files up to date what are you actually doing there's no um, there's no end game in that is that it's just it's a never-ending cycle it just keep growing yeah. and you'll, you'll see offshoots where you know they'll clearly go after a particular group you know after animal rights mm. or you know, they will go out, you know, they'll channel stuff towards the, the economic league and blacklisting and stuff. But the vast majority isn't actually serving a, a particular purpose, but it's all justified with it might become useful. Mm. Yeah, another of the, the things that we kind of discover through this process, which just like it's kind of mind boggling in its scale and its scope. And you start seeing like this isn't just about a, a particular small part of the police that we're like focusing on protest. This is about the political shape of the country, right? And it's about like the way in which the society in which we live is is influenced more than it's controlled by the state, 
because they've got so much information on anybody who could be deemed to be, you know, a subversive in some way and, and see the links that exist within that so quickly and so early. It's one of these things you just think, oh, fucking hell, <laughs> what, what we're up against, man. Yeah. But it's, it's, it, this is all about network analysis, mm. you know, um, all my favourite phrases, sorry. Uh, but, you know, it's once you have an insight of where to look, mm. being able to take that information and blow it up mm. and say, right, if I know to look at this group, then I know everything about that group already. I just need to get that insight. And you're the only cover said, right, you need to look at this group. Mm. And suddenly you, ha you have everything mapped. Yeah. So it's about that. But that, that means treating everybody as a criminal. And so to my mind, what effectively happened was criminalization of anybody seeking change. Mm. And it was very much because why else would you keep a file on them if you didn't consider them criminal in some way? Not it didn't it doesn't matter that they were seen as threat. And I think sometimes that language is used in a way of obscure can obscure mm. what was actually going on. So well, I'm not a threat, therefore I wouldn't have a file on me. It's, it's like it's just no, it's criminalizing change. Mm. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely, and it, it, yeah, criminalizing change, man. I think that really sums it up. The the you know, it's about it's about fighting social progress. I mean, is a phrase I've used a few times, but I think it is. It, it's it's trying to stop social change, like literally. <laughs> the other weird thing I think we find within these files is just you. You get to a point where you're overwhelmed by the amount of stuff. Right. You <clears throat> say so you like reading these hundreds of files coming in because we just just seen one fraction. It's like mm. if the intelligence gathering operation is that big, where mm. it's not just spy cops, it's all the other stuff. It's like people are having to process that. You know, mm. Was this really intelligence scattering? And that's kind of led to an ongoing investigation of just how the intelligence gathering process has been taking place over the years and how computerizing is investigated. And there are quite a few tantalizing clues within various official documents. So the Spectre Constabulary reports into Mark Kennedy, mm. talk about the photographic archives and how they had to basically sit on the police to get them to delete loads of photographs. There's one fascinating document, well, fascinating to me as a, <laughs> as a surveillance geek, uh, where they talk about the original domestic extremism database. Right. Where they had a problem, they couldn't modify or delete the records because it was so full, it'd run out of space. <laughs> so they end up having to go through it and select which records to manually copy across to the new database. Right. You know, but it's just like if you're running out of space because you've got no filters mm. going on. Something we've been tracking is the, the ongoing change. And in particular, there's something called the National Intelligence Model, which is brought in 1999. This is one of those sort of slightly geekery things. But if you want to really understand how what we're seeing in the inquiry happening in the 70s and 80s, is happening now, you have to understand the national intelligence model. Mm. And most people haven't heard of it. It's, it's, it's one of those things that exists in the police world. But it's, a, it's about making intelligence manageable. It's mm. about working out, when you've got this vast amount of intelligence, you have to go, well, what actually is useful? What's the criteria? You've got a bunch of essentially grunts or you know, low-grade analysts going, I don't know if this baby babysitting rotor. Sorry, I'm obsessed with that babysitting rotor. <laughs> I mean, it's it's very illustrative of what it's like, isn't it? You know, is this relevant? So, uh, where most people see this in within the inquiry related stuff, in particularly for core participants who've already seen stuff around the Drax or mm. the Ratliff stuff, is these five by five by five forms. Mm. 
um, which we've got some uh, examples on our website. Mm. And you know, these are the intelligence sheets which grade, here's the raw intelligence or the raw information. Mm. It's graded by source, it's graded by reliability, and it's graded by who needs to see it and the impact. Um, so this is the modern incarnation of, of that stuff, of what we were seeing in inquiry. The, mm in the registry files and this material that will be going in and feeding into that information. And we're seeing a lot of the same sort of stuff in terms mm. of content, it's the same, same trivia, but it's designed the way to actually process it more effectively to work out what the police need rather than just mm. get swamped by Mark and the, uh, staying, staying at one place one night, you know, you know, yeah, whatever, yeah. you know, going to a party somewhere and making stuff up. And there's also, this has been tied in with computerization. So understanding, you know, what the computer systems are, what the capabilities are. So we can see where the, the Special Branch Registry became the National Domestic Extremism Database, which has now become something slightly else. And, you know, it's still ongoing. There's still, yeah. um, still in development and yet in growing incarnations can be spotted in the paperwork, but also the degree to which these are integrated nationally in the network. Because the thing about the, the Metropolitan Police is they said, you know, various people said information went into the Metropolitan Police but never came out. Right, yeah. So they would get intelligence from all the regional police forces, but the regional police forces wouldn't necessarily get intelligence from the Met. So one of the things we've been tracking is well, how much actually sharing is going on. Mm. The inquiry has told us, well, MI5 got everything. Right. Yeah. You know, you know the, the degree to it, I mean, that as clear as daylight. Mm. But we're also now, we're also now, by by tracking the registry files, the history of the registry files and stuff, we're now starting to see just how much more integration there is going within the police computers while, while mm. the, the various programs that are being set up in order to facilitate the sharing of that information. Because it's not as cut and dry as, you know, many of us like to be real yeah, police know everything and they tell every, all the other police everything. It's it's really not like that. No. I argue against that sort of position because I think it's really disempowering. I think it gives mm. people, gives the state this all-powerful, all-efficient persona. It really doesn't deserve. And I think people just go, well, the state's all-powerful. I can't do anything against it. And it's like, it's nowhere near as powerful. Oh, My investigations into how even just the files are circulated show that it's a lot lost a lot weaker than I would like us to believe. Mm. That is part of the reason for the way in which they operate, is, is to project power, isn't it? it? It's not possible for any institution to be like that. The fact that they know things about you shouldn't stop you from taking action. It's something we keep coming back to on this series, is that like how important it is, is to not allow these things to stop you from taking action. And I want to reiterate it again, really, is that like just because there's a file on you doesn't mean you can't operate. Yeah. doesn't mean that you can't be a successful mm. campaigner. doesn't mean you can't be an effective activist. Yeah, and I've had personal experience where it shows that, yeah, I know they've got files on me. Yeah. I know there was probably quite extensive files on me, but it really didn't mean they... Mm. So I, I, I can give an example. Um, I'm from Northern Ireland, so it's relevant. And the files in Northern Ireland were kept in a place called Castle Ray, which was uh, raided by the IRA at one point. When I was asked to be approached to be in uh, grass, uh, I was I was I was up on quite serious charges at the time, and they thought they could put pressure on me. So they called me and they were asked, trying to get me to ask, answer questions and trying to get me you know, to come over to their side, uh, which actually I did say no to. But 
from the way and what they were asking me, it gave me insights. You know, they're asking me, was I living with anybody? Mm. Well, I've been living with my partner for two years at that point. We shared a house. So it's like, well, surely you would know that. You wouldn't mm-hmm. have to ask me that. You know, yeah. Certainly Lancashire police would have known that. Mm. Okay, so London police don't. That's a bit weird. Um, and then I said, oh, okay. oh of course, because Castle Ray's been raided, you wouldn't have to file on me. And they were going, what's Castle Ray got to do with anything? And it dawned on me they didn't even realise I was Irish. Right. And, you know, and this, was, this wasn't me just having turned up and been active for a few months. I've been active for 15 years by this mm. stage. So it gives me, yes, you may have all this material, but it doesn't mean that you're actually processing it or useful. Yeah. And I was in a situation where I was getting arrested in Ireland on a protest. And I had a cop screaming in my face, who are you? Give me your name. Give me your name. And I was going... Okay, so the British police haven't shared intelligence with, with the chief cop in, ch- mm. cop in Rossport. Mm. So I know people would disagree and still want to say, well, yeah, the police have everything. And to me, they were both examples. Yes, you may have information, but you don't know everything. You can't process everything. Mm. And frankly, it didn't stop me doing a whole bunch of actions anyway. Mm. Yeah, absolutely, and and that is the key takeaway I think to to what everything we talk about is that like they can't that just because they've got all this information on us doesn't mean they can stop us from doing things. As ever, if you want to find out more about this topic or listen to any of our previous episodes, check out spycops.info. Please follow and like the podcast series wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're able to give us a five star review on Apple Podcasts, we'd really appreciate it. We're grateful to the Campaign Opposing Police Surveillance for supporting us with equipment and for the public space for giving us studio space.